0: Welcome to Lost or Found with Dr. Michelle Choi, the show where we think about how we can live healthier, happier, and more fulfilled lives. Hi, it's Dr. Michelle here, and welcome to another episode of Lost or Found. It's the week of Halloween, and I'm really excited to say that I'll be dressing up for the occasion. I usually never wear a costume, and I'm not sure why this year I've chosen to embrace the ensemble. Perhaps it's because we were invited to a Halloween party this year. Party hardy! I'm really excited for the family party, and I can't help but feel it would be really party pooperish if I didn't try. The costume that I feel that I could do easily and well, I'm also obsessed with all the colors is that of the Day of the Dead. Marigolds are so pretty. Marigolds have a lovely meaning and they're often linked to the powerful strength of the sun and represent power, strength and the light that lives inside of a person. I have plenty of Mexican dresses. What can I say? I'm a Korean-American who loves the Mexican dress, the embroidery, the colors. I think Frida Kahlo is a badass. I bought a fake flower headband, and somehow it came with Day of the Dead face tattoos, and I also bought a clown white base. I think I'm set. There's, of course, the risk of dermatitis after all that makeup. But what's the point of living life without some risk? Anyway, I thank my friend for having the courage to host a party with a lot of kids and adults in the context of sugar. (laughs) That takes some courage and serious badassery. And well, with the fall and Halloween, I feel that this is when the season begins the holidays. We wish for the holidays to be beautiful, but I think sometimes they're well just really tough. I used to be my unhappiest over the holidays. I wonder if the truth is that a lot of times they can be tough with family. Anyway, that's why we're talking about this conversation today as we talk about boundaries before the holidays. Boundaries always, but especially during the holidays. Denise Corell from the popular podcast, Enlightened Empaths, is on the show today. And you know what? Denise is a psychic medium, and she's able to connect with energies present in a person's life, as well as those in spirit. Her father was a gifted psychic medium who taught her to listen to the little voice within. She spent many years as a special education teacher before deciding to embrace her gifts as she now helps her clients understand the inner knowing and light. I just love her and admire her. She's also so kind. You can find her at thegratefulmessenger.com. Welcome back, Denise. It's so great to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I, I love, love, love your energy. And I love your show. What you're sharing with
1: people is so valuable right now. So important.
0: Thank you. And I just wanted to start off by saying I love, love, love your podcast. Enlightened Empath, <laughs> And that's where I do a lot of my spiritual learning. So thank you for helping me. Well, thank you. Well, this can just be mutual ad- admiration club. Yeah, you're my girl crush, you know. <laughs> Can I ask you so what you have planned for the holidays?
1: I am probably one of the most low-key, mellow holiday people you're ever going to meet. I, when my sons were younger, I would do all the proverbial things you do for holidays. But I like to stay under the wire. Very, very low-key. Uh, very easygoing. Try not to buy into the hype. So it's not what it's about for me. I used to see it as a detriment, but now I see it more as a luxury that I don't have a lot of connection with extended family. A lot of people have passed. A lot of dynamics have changed. So I think there's, in an odd way, a freedom and autonomy in that to just be able to be in a more low-key place versus if the expectations are, we always do this. This is our tradition. This is our, our how our families celebrate this. So if you're, I I think there's a lot, a lot of changes happening for people with how they go into holiday season.
0: Yeah, I think it's so true because a lot of people, including myself, like we idealize families, you know, but the truth is, I think a lot of families are dysfunctional, including mine, but, you know, it's, it's very hard. I think with the holidays, I find myself in a situation, you know, where my mother and my other family member will be coming to my house. And I'll be really honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. You know, I hadn't talked to my mother for four years. And I decided I'm going to be on the mercy plan, right? To not necessarily make things better, but to maybe show her some, the decency that I can, but not really like win any favors, right? So that I can live with myself. But it's hard when your family's dysfunctional and you know what can happen and will happen, but to keep your sanity, especially. Right. And I think
1: giving yourself permission to maybe say, I can't do it that way, or I need to protect my children or, I mean, depending on how severe the dysfunction is, there's, as, as with anything, dysfunction comes as a spectrum. And I think sometimes we have to make some very difficult choices about how we interact with our family. But the fact that you're lowering that drawbridge and saying, I'm, I'm going to make this a mercy situation. And and that feels so important for you right now and for your children and for your family so that there's no, there's no question about it later on.
0: Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, you know, with my family being so dysfunctional, sometimes I find it very odd that they still want to hang out. You know, <laughs> if the bricks were not laid for the functional family, like, why do we, why do we still want to hang out? Like what was done was done. It's cool, but they still want to play. <laughs> right. Right. And and what does that feel? Because if
1: you have changed it. So I always equate it to sometimes we'll do the work ourselves and the people around us. I often use the the example of my ex-husband. I was angry for a long time because of choices and situations. And then one day I woke up and I thought, he didn't change, I did. And I think it's some of the things that happen in family of origin. We do this deep personal work. We do this reflection. We shift some paradigms or break some ancestral patterns. But we're no... I'm not saying no one else has done the work, but they may have done it in a different direction. And then we're, uh, we're trying to still play by the same rules. I love your your analogy of, you know, they still want to play the game. But in reality, it's not even the same. We're not even in the same sport anymore.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I think that's why boundaries are so important, right? Because you can't change the situation. But you can change how you react to the situation to maintain yourself, right? Like you can't, I've given up on changing it. I can't change any of them, but I can change how I react and how they hurt me. They will not hurt me. Or maybe 80%, you know, I'll block off 80%.
1: Right. And, and you're that's an excellent point about the boundaries. And you had mentioned earlier about the boundaries going into the holiday season. And I think sometimes we fluctuate because there's, you know, there's open boundaries, there's rigid boundaries, there's there's oh, trying to find that healthy sweet spot, um, the, you know, of, of a clear boundary where everyone feels that they can express themselves, where they can be assertive, they can hold their own. That that's pretty, pretty rare. I think it's really rare to be in a family situation where boundaries are clear, acceptable, sometimes to the point where when I do hear that, I'm almost a little surprised. It's like, wow, you're just like a healthy family. That's weird. <laughs> it should be the norm and it's not. But one of the things is we, we strive for these clear boundaries to be able to express ourselves, to hold our own, to not lose our sense of self. But I wonder if sometimes we have to slide over into things being a little more rigid for a while until we can find that that balance of, because I do, I think sometimes it has to be hard and fast to establish the new parameters around what a relationship may or may not be versus okay, we're all going to just jump in and everyone's healthy now. Hmm.
0: What do you mean by that rigidity? You mean like the strictness in terms of the physical boundary or the emotional and mental? Well, I think, you know,
1: clear boundaries are very clearly stated. They're flexible. They're adaptable. You know, there's support and stability. And then when it becomes a little more rigid, it's, it's maybe a little more closed off and inflexible. There's less engagement. There can be more isolation. Um, sometimes it can be challenging for people to express what they really need and want in the family or, or in the dynamics of a relationship. But I'm wondering if sometimes we have to step into that place of rigidity in order to help, help shore up our own sense of self enough to Establish the new, healthier boundaries.
0: I totally agree with you because, you know, I think sometimes it begins with understanding the situation, right? To understand what's going on, to understand what you're going to need. And that takes a bit of time sometimes and like stepping backwards. And I really love what you said before, like a healthy relationship, it's healthy to set boundaries. And if their relationship is unhealthy, you know, that's when they look at boundaries different. But what's clear is that in a healthy relationship, setting boundaries is healthy. Yes.
1: But uh, for me, for a lot of folks, for a lot of highly sensitive people, it's a learned behavior. Because we don't know how to do it. We don't have any experience with it. We don't have a background. And I think sometimes that can lead to boundaries being a little too open. And maybe a little, you know, they're not quite as clear. It's kind of fuzzy, and it's harder to get your your needs met. But it can also lead to either codependency or, you know, you had shared with me the term of enmeshment. I think that that if if things are too open and fluid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so there's. Do you think that it it fluctuates with? the the boundaries especially with people that are really close to us that sometimes we have to be a little malleable between all of those between open and rigid and more clear because people will revert but what i'm thinking as we're speaking is yeah they revert back into the roles of wanting you to be who you used to be
0: that's so true you know that's really really true like even when I don't want to, I'm like, I'm, I'm not young anymore. Like, I'm 44. But sometimes in her presence, I find myself as that, like, five-year-old girl, right? And I'm unarmored when I have to remember to myself, I've taken care of myself now. Like, I'm armored. <laughs> do, wow. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I have to remember that I'm not the same person anymore. I've become stronger.
1: Which is incredible, incredible. And it also is breaking that cyclical pattern so that your children don't ever have to experience this later on. So you're modeling these clear boundaries and you're also changing the dynamics in the family, not only for future generations, but it, personal opinion, I think it sends that healing back as well, it, through the lineage as well as forward.
0: It's so true. and. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point earlier, like enmeshment happens, right? You don't realize like how that person's changing you. You you get enmeshed in their lives, they get enmeshed in your lives, and sometimes it gets so confusing that you don't know what's your life and what's theirs or where it begins and stops. But I think, you know, regarding um, boundaries, they're physical, they're emotional, they're psychological. And I think they're a crucial aspect of our mental health and well-being.
1: Yes. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely, 100%. And I think that we're all, as we become more comfortable with expressing ourselves or appreciating our sensitivity or honoring different aspects of ourselves that we may have shut down in a protective, I love your word, armored because I think that many of us learned to do that at a younger age because we had to in order not to uh, absorb toxicity or fear or anger or miscommunication. And now we can transfer that to setting these clearer boundaries so that we don't lose ourselves in the mix anymore.
0: I think it's self-care. and You brought up a really um, fascinating point earlier, like boundaries is learned. And you're right. Like I didn't learn about boundaries until like I was in my like late thirties. I had no idea what that word was.
1: <laughs> well, I'm in act three and I'm still learning what these boundaries. <laughs> I mean, it's, sometimes it's like, all right, I've got this. And other days it's like, oh, we are so back to square one, aren't we?
0: It's so true. You know, I was listening to Oprah the other day and what she said, you know, I think is ideal, but I think sometimes, like, I think sometimes our life is not that black and white. And she was saying with, like, energy vampires, right? And I have an energy vampire in my life that I'm very aware of, but she was saying that with energy vampires, like, you just need to cut them out of your life. And I wish that could be the case, but sometimes that's, it's not that simple, you know? And I think we all have to wonder, what can you live with? You know, and I've chosen my specific path right now. But I think that easy answer of cutting that person out, I think a lot of times it's impossible. Like there's a great answer that may be more reasonable.
1: I, I agree with you completely. And I think that it, well, one aspect is there was a person in my family of origin who were very different. We have different energy I tried setting boundaries. I tried all the different things Then we were not in contact for quite a while. But someone said, oh, that person is this relation to you. You're going to regret it. You're going to wait. And then I woke up one morning and I thought, or maybe the lesson that we came is for me to stop stepping in front of that same bus and expecting a different result. Because sometimes we might just keep Throwing the lifeline, throwing the life ring, taking care of, trying to make it. I remember leaving from seeing this person at one point in my life, and I was crying because that was usually how I left there. And this is an old reference, but I said out loud, Denise, it's never effing going to be Walton's Mountain. Give it up. Because it wasn't. It was a very toxic situation. But I think we try to we i think there's a, a piece of us that that desires what we know it potentially can be and we keep going back to that wanting that love and connection and family that we may idealize
0: exactly and i think many of us still do that like i have friends who are still looking for their mother do you know what i mean and their mother may not be the person who they think it is, but they're still like looking for that person. And I think they'll never get their answer that way. Right.
1: Right. That, that's an excellent point. It's a really excellent point. And we could, you know, switch that to you have to find that within yourself. But I was thinking about this years ago of when the, you may have it in your head, which I did at that time. The people who are supposed to love us the most, just because, just because there are birth family or there are caretakers who had us when we were children, or there, but there's an expectation. I think that uh, there are certain things that I think you and I have in common that we've made conscious choices. Our children will never ever experience, and they haven't because we know what it felt like to be treated in a certain way or to not feel that love and compassion that's so important
0: yeah and I really believe like you can help someone but you really can't change them you know like they can only change themselves maybe like what what you were saying like no one has to do anything you know and maybe they can't do it maybe that's the answer their answer like they just can't anymore right And I think boundaries is useful because it helps you to accept the answer.
1: That's beautifully, beautifully said.
0: People may not, they really
1: may not have the bandwidth. They may not have the, the ability emotionally, physically, spiritually to offer what we feel we need or to provide that. But one of my pet peeves is when people say, They made me do this, or he said this, and it made me feel. And I always kind of go as those, my nobody can make you feel. You choose how you react. And I think that that ties in with the, the boundaries situation. We can set them, and people can jump right over them. They can trample on our grass. They can knock over our fences, whatever that might be. But on some level, we're still allowing that to happen.
0: Exactly. Like the metaphor you were using earlier regarding the bus, you know, you can choose to continue to be run over or you can choose to get out of the way. That's what we can control. Right. And it doesn't
1: have to be in an adversarial way or it doesn't have to become acrimonious. But from personal experience, I have set the those level of strong boundaries of saying, this isn't acceptable and I'm not doing it that way, you have to be prepared for the backlash of changing the parameters around what a relationship has been in the past. Because it's much easier if we stay stuck. It's easier for everybody if we just stay stuck in who we've been. But when we start messing around and realizing, I don't want to be treated this way anymore, that's when it starts to hit the fan.
0: It's true. And I think being stuck is kind of like a part of if you're stuck too long, I really think it can hurt you and eventually kill you. And that's why I left my prior career, you know, like I felt really, really stuck and I needed movement. And I think that was part of my saving grace for myself.
1: So, and as a physician, I always hesitate. I always catch myself hesitating when I say this statement to, to people in the medical profession: is the mind body connection between our physical health, our emotional health, our spiritual health, and when you think about it, boundaries are that thread that runs through all of it. And finding the strength within to say, I can't accept this anymore because it's wearing me down to a point where I'm not going to recover from it. I think that that is that continuum across all these aspects of our lives.
0: Oh my gosh. I don't think you should hesitate at all, Denise. You're absolutely right, right? Like I think that's part of our our healthcare problem, right? First of all, you may not be getting the care, but second of all, like regarding like a healthcare professional burnout is there because a lot of people, including myself, I never had like healthy boundaries, right? As we're talking about healthy boundaries with our own families before the holidays, healthy boundaries should be active all the time in every aspect of our lives, including work. And I think when healthy boundaries are not in place, that's when you, you know, develop more like resentment, anger, and burnout. And then eventually the fire keeps on burning and it affects your health. And then you die early.
1: <sighs> yeah, that that's an excellent point. And because the world is a little bit upside down in a lot of respects right now, people seem to be challenging boundaries a little bit more. And especially going into this holiday season, it's it's what you have to for me it's always what can i do within myself to strengthen this so that i don't uh i I don't end up in the same place i've always been but one of the signs i get a lot when i'm doing readings is i'll see someone start to do a back bend and what i'll see is spirit saying you don't have to bend over backwards for anyone anymore and i think in family dynamics often that's been the easier way is to make it okay for everyone else at our own expense so that we don't face the wrath, we don't upset people, we don't change what might be the established expectations in the family.
0: Exactly. And, you know, just continuing on what you had brought up, you know, in terms of the work setting, right, like I realized even having healthy boundaries wasn't working for me. So I decided I made the Fateful decision to leave that playground, and even in regards to family, I've also realized that you know, despite who I grew up with, who raised me, like I realized through my own self and my own growth that they can't hurt me as much as before, you know, and I realized during i mean the holidays are coming up with Thanksgiving and everyone coming to my house. And me kind of freaking out. But um, even if I may not have the physical boundary and they're here, I'm still going to work on my emotional and my spiritual boundary with them. You know, and I think I was thinking, what will be my tool? And my tool will be not to react. Oh, that's a good tool. (laughs) That is a really, really good tool. Because if, if, I heard
1: this on a, a late movie years and years ago. Even if ago. it kills
0: me, I'm not going to yeah. react.
1: <laughs> years ago, I was watching this old late night movie and this, you know, typical old middle of the night movie. And it was, the person said, the people who push our buttons are the most are the ones who installed them. And I thought, oh my God, that is so spot on. It it really is. They know our buttons better than anybody else. They they did. They helped establish them in a lot of cases. So when you say don't react, I absolutely love that because that is really frustrating for someone who has always gotten the same reaction from you by a certain comment or it's it's just so fascinating the dynamics of it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of messed up if you really think about it, because if someone is trying to push your buttons, because they're aware it's there, it's kind of like they're still trying to exert that control in the relationship. Do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. It's not right. No. A healthy relationship does not do that.
1: Right. And so it comes back to, we've done the work, we're setting the boundaries, we're Saying, you know, you may be in my physical space, but I'm not going to lose myself in the mix. But if you're surrounded with people who are still very happy and content with things being the way they've always been, learning to find a way to take care of yourself in that setting, I think is paramount, especially during a time of the year when the expectation is to be happy and joyous and family and everything is is you know, love and peace and joy when for a lot of people, this is the most stressful time of the year.
0: It's absolutely true, you know, and it's generally known that like a lot of people die over the holidays. And is it the stress or is it the food, right? Like we imagine this (laughs) idyllic like holiday season, but the truth is many people die. Like, and right after the holidays, you know, I never like to work on December 26th because that's when people start coming in with heart failure and heart attacks and strokes, you know, it's just like divine timing. And the question is why right after, like, was it the, was it the celebration or was it the stress post holiday, you know?
1: (laughs) Or did they try so hard to make it okay and not have boundaries in place that it burnt them out similar to your, you are saying that that's what happened in the work environment. And it, it, did it take so much personal going so deep to try to make it seem like what it's supposed to be or what the expect, again, I'm saying expectation, but there's a sadness, there's an emptiness, and there's a, a deep longing, I think, for many people who want to have that hallmark moment with their family. And when it doesn't happen over and over, I can see how that could lead to, you know, broken heart syndrome, or I don't want to do it this way anymore. So I'm not saying, you know, we're manifesting those issues, but I think there's a part of us that we just can't keep up the facade anymore.
0: But what if it keeps on like happening over and over and over again, the same pattern? Like... I wonder if it's time to ask yourself, like, if you're looking in the wrong place, you know, if that's the pattern and that pattern doesn't break, maybe the answer lays elsewhere.
1: Yes. Yes. And I, again, big on on personal responsibility of what it is, what is it in me that I keep attracting the same situation or allowing myself to be pulled into this same reactive place? the rest of it, we can't control. And it goes back to what you said earlier, which was beautifully stated. It comes down to being about control.
0: And, you know, like having boundaries we mentioned earlier, like it's for you, it's crucial to your self-care, to who you are. And, you know, like I choose to have boundaries and I know what's going to be upcoming in my future because I'm choosing me, like even my whole boundary plan and seeing them and the whole mercy plan, right? It's, it's actually for me, it's not for them. That's my truth. Because I was thinking like, it kind of hit me this year that, you know, I'm a doctor and I, I treat patients better than my own, shall I say it, my own mother, you know, like, even if I don't like someone and they come into the office, I'll still treat them with basic respect, right? And hopefully not obvious loathing. And I was wondering if I can treat patients that way, like why can't I do that for my own mother whose lifelong lesson for her, unfortunately continues to be abandonment, you know? So that's why I've chosen the mercy plan. I think that's wonderful. I really do. And it it's, Maybe
1: in maybe it's being altruistic, but could that be a catalyst to your mother finding some healthier boundaries as well? Oh, that's just silly.
0: I don't know if we could go that far, but I think it's gonna be an impossible. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you know, but when that would be the hope, right? Wouldn't yeah. that be the hope? if yeah. she were like healthy, by by loving someone you would learn healthy boundaries that can be learned but there's i think also situations when you know she has a clearly a mental health disorder and i've realized like in a personality disorder she may not be able to learn it anymore only i can do what i can you know and whatever whatever happens to me even though i don't have the physical um boundary i'm going to make sure My psychological, emotional boundary will be in place by not reacting. You know, she has delusions like I can't even light incense in the home because she thinks I'm a drug addict, you know, or she thinks like sexual molestation is happening somewhere in the house or our neighbors. It's like I can't correct those thoughts, but I can just hear them if she says them and don't react. I'm not even going to state the truth anymore. Like I'm tired of it. You know, like I know the truth. Right,
1: And and you also know what the, the reaction and the reply will be. It's not, it's not, she's not going to believe you. Um, it's the it's blunt version mm-hmm. of that.
0: Yeah. Do you wonder if someone's spiritually healthy, that less boundaries need to be in place? Or do you think boundaries should always be in place?
1: I think there's a flexibility to it. And what I'm thinking about is if someone else, you have good boundaries, they're in place, you have this relationship, there's reciprocity, there's give and take, there's flow, and then one or the other people in the situation are going through something more stressful, something triggering. It may bring back some old behaviors or reactions. So I do think there has to be some fluidity with it.
0: Yeah, it's never black and white. I think that's honest truth. Right, but I love the way that you're describing
1: that no matter what happens, you're going to take care of yourself. And that truly feels like such an important lesson for all of us, is getting to the point where no matter how much it may hurt or remind us of old pains or whatever it might be, we can still set those boundaries. And it's it's so hard
0: though, isn't it? Totally. But I think setting boundaries is like setting goals for yourself, you know, so that they can penetrate less. Like, how are you going to maybe armor yourself for your own sanity, for your own health? And I think there's still many things that we can do, like, and sometimes it's a mindset, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's you know emotional. But you had mentioned in one of your recent shows. That walk, walking in nature, being in nature, is sometimes even just for an hour a week is more powerful sometimes than daily meditation. And I can understand that because I have a hard time with meditation. But <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I, started, I went for a walk that day, you know, like, yeah. I felt up a tree, you know, I almost hugged it, but I did feel better, like getting the hell out of the house.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine not having that aspect of life. I just cannot. And the other day I went for a walk of very stressful. People are needing a lot right now. There, There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. So if you're working in any kind of a service-based industry or where you're in a more caretaking role or a leadership role, there's a lot of of energy going into that right now for for those of us that are, are you know practitioners or holding space for other people, and I realized how quickly once I and I don't listen to things in, I don't have earbuds in or listening. I used to walk in the woods and listen to music or podcasts or stuff, and now it's just the quiet. It's just that quiet of feeling that energy of nature to reset our batteries. But I love that you said you went over to a tree because I did that and I put my hands on it and I just stood there for a minute and I closed my eyes and I felt all of the tension, all of the anxiety, all of the the heaviness just whoosh right out through the bottom of my feet. And I thought, I have to remember to do this every day to just get grounded and reconnect with that, that pulse of the earth.
0: It's so true. And, you know, people may think this is like, like fruity Santa Cruz or something, but you can compare how you feel like being inside a mall, right? And the chaos of the mall and all the retail and then how you feel like being in nature. There's like an energy that pulsates there, you know? And if you think about like a redwood tree, because in Santa Cruz, there's a lot of redwoods, ancient redwoods, which are like over 2000 years old. That's a totally almost like divine with wisdom energy that's coming out of there. And and when you're walking in the woods, even feeling like the bounce back from the ground. Like my intuitive sense is very low, but it does feel very good there. The air is different. There's like hope there, even when you feel like absolute crap. And
1: and there's a a light. Even
0: when you can't get out of bed
1: yeah there's a life force to that everything has an energy and vibration and frequency and all of the living things and then you can get into if you start exploring different ancient practices that with nature how revered it was and how each tree has a you know it's just it that's a whole rabbit hole to go down if anyone's interested in it of our interconnectedness with nature because I heard I was listening to something a while back and you know, nature is dependent, is is dependent on the interdependence of all the species. And there are eight billion of us on the planet right now, just shy of eight billion, and we're the only species that aren't interconnected with nature. We're the only one that aren't part of it. And I maybe it's Pollyanna, but I think the trees and the woods and the ocean and the rivers and, and are trying to call us back into the fold and say, you know what, come and let's work together on this rather than swimming against the stream all the time.
0: Yes, and I think there's a constant interplay. And sometimes we think with maybe what we think is life, we miss the interplay that's already going on. And what if that's actually part of your healing and part of your sanity, going back into that interplay?
1: Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. So I guess that's what we have to do before in holiday gatherings, right? Is we just have to go get grounded, let it all go into the earth and say, okay, now I can face this.
0: Yeah. Or make it simple. Get the hell out of the house. (laughs) (laughs) Get away from them for a bit or a lot, you know? Yes, I agree. And other things I was looking up, you know, like, I hadn't seen my mother for four years, right? And I chose to go on the mercy plan and I saw her this past summer. Oh, my gosh. I've never actually slept in the hotel when I visited her. And wow, that was like sanity, like spending time with her, but then going, retrieving into someplace else to like another safe place. Even the hotel has their own energy, like that was godsend, you know, getting away
1: That was one of the boundaries I had to set with my mother before she passed was that I wouldn't stay overnight in her home because that seemed to be when things would really intensify. That's a good word. They would intensify. So I made that and God love her soul. She tried very hard to get me to break that boundary for quite a while. Because I live, you know, a bit away, but I would go down, I would bring her up to she was always welcome in my home for set time. I'd say, okay, you can come up, I'll come get you, you, can come and spend this time. But it it was the only way that we could have a healthy relationship and I could maintain some boundaries and sense of self. And I did it as a protective thing for my my children at the time. They were much younger at the time. So I think sometimes. If it feels so strongly to you that you like staying in a hotel, I'm sure that that was perceived, maybe not accepted as, well, why would you do that? Why won't you stay overnight? Why won't you stay at the house? But you had to do that to take care of yourself.
0: To a controlling person, like you're seen as a traitor, but to a healthy person, you'd be like, sure, that makes sense, you know? But to a controlling person, it's like, it's like, You've like sinned against them, or something, you know
1: <laughs> and it, and it especially if you're the only person in the family who is setting different boundaries, if everyone else is still playing the same role or they're not they're allowing the whoever is the the person in control the most to still orchestrate things, you become kind of outcast, you become the troublemaker, you become the one who oh, who do you think you are? Or you're being selfish or you're being this or that. There'll be a lot of barbs thrown your way to try to get you to lower that drawbridge again.
0: Yes, just duck. <laughs>
1: just duck. <laughs> duck and cover, Yes. <laughs>
0: Exactly. You want to hear something so funny? My first hotel room that I stayed at, right? Um, and not stayed at well, when I was visiting my mother, the room number in New York was room number 911. <laughs> Back in the category of stuff you can't make up. Oh, that's perfect. I know. And there I was like, I was like, when I saw that room number, I was like, you know, forgive my language. I was like, fuck, shit, like, why am I here? But who knew room 911 was going to save me? It turned out to be my safe place. Room 911, it saved me. Well, I absolutely love that. I wonder if we could
1: request that room when we go on family visits. Sorry, you need to put me in and just whatever. (laughs)
0: Did you let your mother stay in your house, like sleep in your house? Yes. I because, and maybe that goes back to the control
1: thing. It was much easier for me to have the, the boundaries stay in place in my own home than in her home, where my family of origin, where I grew up, where um, there were a lot of old uh, triggers and expectations.
0: That's a great word, triggers. Yeah. Because they're real. They are, and they're deep.
1: They're rooted so deep. And I feel like so many of us right now are trying to pull those roots out. And, you know, usually from personal experience and from a lot of people that I've spoken with, it's buried so deep because it's been there so long. And when you think about those, hooks got put in when you, we didn't even have the the cognitive ability or the emotional ability to discern that it wasn't okay. How would we?
0: I agree with you because like, even though we're older, like those wounds are still there and only you can determine how, wo- how those how deep those wounds are still but those wounds are still there like be it the scar or maybe it's halfway and it's like it can easily be ripped if you're not careful like while you're on your path of healing in certain scenarios it can still rip
1: oh well that's a very good way to put it it's incredible.
0: As I continue to deal with my own urinary incontinence.
1: (laughs) Not saying you're pissed off or anything, but just saying if we want to go mind body (laughs) connection.
0: Yeah. I'm just aware. I'm aware, you know? (laughs) Like you have to play with it, right? Not against it.
1: You do. And
0: when you know it exists. Haven't you found, though, that when you
1: start to set those boundaries with the the hard ones, I, for me, the, the family of origin ones are the hardest ones, but then it starts to ripple out into other areas of your life, of your workforce, your friendships, your dealings with service people, whatever it might be. But once you get the tough ones out of the way, there's a sense of self and self-acceptance and uh, not pride is an odd word to use, but it truly is. It's like, okay, if I can do it in this situation, I can do it in any situation.
0: That's a really profound point that you bring up. And I think you're really right. Like, as I even think about my own life, like dealing with my mother and what I thought I needed I mean, that gave me a lot of courage to deal with some of the other shit in my life. You know, like my my glasses weren't like dusty. They were clearer for me to see. Oh, and what I can almost live without. Oh, that's so well stated.
1: That was beautiful.
0: Or you could see it this way. I wasn't going to let anyone else kill me. Except myself, and I'm not going to kill myself. Do you know? Like, yeah. (laughs) They were all hurting me, you know? Right. So now you're having everybody come to your home for the holiday season. I mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't actually want to. They kind of invited themselves. So it is what it is, right? I just unfortunately didn't say no because I was thinking it's only one, a, a couple of days this year, one year, right? Right
1: and it's a good way to uh to real okay well this is a good way to put it. it's a good way to solidify how strong and, and your your boundaries really are you've been clear you've been succinct and you've said you know what this is my home you're welcome in it but these here's your rule book this is what we're following these are my rules in my home and it may work, it may not, but it's it's it feels like one of those no regrets kind of situations when you, you keep referring it to it as a mercy plan. That's a beautiful, beautiful way to describe it.
0: And I think part of my maintenance, you know, I'm going to totally be sure I meditate, like, you know, at least a couple of minutes a day, set my bubble, make sure I continue to set my bubble around me. And I think I need to be very aware of my own personal space. Cause I'll be honest with you. I don't want to hug anyone, you know, <laughs> I, of course I want to hug my children and my husband, but I don't, even hugging it's getting too close. I don't even want my skin to graze them as strange as that may sound, you know, it's like too into my own personal space.
1: Oh, see, I don't think that that's strange at all. I can be civil though. Yes. <laughs> Well, similar to what we say with, when our children are little and they're they're all worked up. And we say, use your words. We know how to do this. We know how to use our words and set these boundaries. But I think another key part of it is, and I, I can't even believe the words that want to come out, when we get through the situation. And that's never, you know, when we get through the holidays or we get through the visit or we get through the the interactions. But after we have the experience with the people that we've had sometimes that, it's like sometimes. that yeah is it, i i feel like there has to be follow up care of of taking care of yourself in the aftermath of you know any kind of strong interactions with the maybe that goes back to what you said about people having health emergencies right after the holiday season is it's that crash and burn of too much for too long. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I love your, your, you know, saying you're going to meditate. You're going to take care of yourself. You'll take a walk. You'll hydrate. Those, those are all simple things we can do. Go in the bathroom and make faces at yourself or, you know, do anything, do anything you can do. I think to let that steam valve Mm of stress off.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, like dogs, you know, to get things off of them, they like, or ground, they like roll themselves on the ground, you know, like jump, urinate first, but jump, (laughs) get it off of you. And I think, I think instead of crashing, have a maintenance plan, you know, like maintain yourself, don't crash, maintain yourself that at the end of it, you're still mostly you. Most is good. Mostly you. Most is enough. Yeah, because the other alternative and I think saging your whole house. <laughs> what What's the other alternative? Well, the
1: other alternative is is ending up sick or upset or run down or in emotional pain. If, if we allow it to keep continuing at that rate, yeah. that has always it, it comes back to the bus analogy. That, that, you know, it we, we make a choice if we're going to keep putting ourselves in that situation. And I'm sure there are people listening who are saying, oh, well, I don't have an option. But you've really been beautifully, beautifully stated that you may not have an option not to be in the situation with them, but you do have the option to take care of yourself.
0: Yeah. And, you know, regarding the bus metaphor, like or the, you know. What if, like, you continue to be run down, but by but you're also letting them right, run you down, right? 100%. And I, I have to say, I don't maybe this is
1: again rose colored glasses, but I don't always think it's intentional with the stepping over the boundaries or not honoring the. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. I think it's just been in place that way or it's someone's personality or they may, I don't always think that it's coming from a place of being malicious and controlling. I think it's sometimes just the way people are or it's been, it goes back to being handed down through your family of origin. They may not know another way.
0: Yeah, but hopefully you know of another way. You know, that works better for you. Right. And that's,
1: that's an excellent way to look at it is that's the only thing that you can really say in this. If everyone else in the family is saying, oh, why well, Michelle and Denise, they get so worked up. Oh, they have to have their boundaries. Then that's okay. It means that we're realizing this isn't healthy for me, which is a huge part of, I think, of setting any boundaries. And I feel like I'm being a little um, facetious because my boundaries have been terrible lately. And then when you asked me to come on the show and talk about boundaries, I was thinking, Ooh, I don't know. (laughs) Because it comes back to not wanting to let people down or, Oh, people need help. I need to help them. But Mm -hmm. you've really made it clear with, with this discussion today of you don't have enough to give other people if you don't, take care of yourself and set those boundaries.
0: Yes. And you bring up such a beautiful point, like boundaries, like everything else in life, even getting up every single day. It's a work in progress. You know, like it takes, it takes some work to continue to maintain, like to keep your heart beating and to remember that you need it. It's a work in progress for the better.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: And something that I wanted to add, and I hope this doesn't sound too crazy, but you know, like sometimes when we have wounds, like I was mentioning, like we look elsewhere for the answer. Sometimes we look in the same place for the answer, even though they never provide you with that answer. And for me, you know, like I didn't have the mother that I wished I had, right? Like in my ideal world, I had wished that I had that mother to nurture me, to help me, to save me, but I didn't have that. And the way in which I learned to be okay with that, I could have searched elsewhere, like outside of me, but having become a mother myself and mothering my own children and knowing how I want to mother them, I found that mother inside of me. And I think that's been what saved me. Like I saved myself. From my pain, I realized all of my answers were already inside of me. Oh,
1: that is so beautiful. One of the, uh, I did this years ago, was they said to, if you're trying to, if you have an old loop taper, or, or we'll use boundaries in this example of every time you keep having the same reaction, you do the same thing, you fall into the same patterns. And they said, write that down with your dominant hand whatever the message has always been of i'm not capable of setting boundaries or i'm i'm really whatever your statement is and then use your non-dominant hand to write the answer and what was interesting is when i did this it flashed me right back because if you use your not unless you're ambidextrous if you use your non-dominant hand you have to really concentrate on how you're making the letters, how you're forming them, how the words are coming together, very similar to a little tiny person who's just learning to write and express themselves. So it triggers that place in your brain to go back to where that original seed might've been planted. And when I did that for a situation, I thought, dear God, I would never ever talk to a child like that. Why am I saying that to myself? And I think it comes back again with the, these boundaries of, of we would never want someone to experience that feeling of being bulldozed or hurt or dismantled or not enough. So why do we allow ourselves to keep stepping into that same situation? Because we would never, I'm, personally, I would never set things up for my children to feel that or anyone that I love and care about.
0: Yes, and absolutely. And maybe by not just showing them, we need to be the example, you know, not just say it, but live it, even if it's really, really painful and hard. And you know, maybe a little more
1: woo thing, is that one of the things that we contracted to do with these people in our lives that do push our buttons so much or that do test our boundaries or do bring up these feelings, did we say, okay, I'm going to come into this lifetime and I am just going to make it a living hell for you. But if you can learn to set these boundaries, stand up for yourself and realize you're enough just the way you are, we'll check it off the karmic checklist and we'll keep moving.
0: Could be. (laughs) Yeah. I assure you, Denise, I'm going to learn my lesson, especially the maternal one in this lifetime because she and I need a break for the next lifetime yes
1: <laughs> yes yeah. yeah. and and I I really and it's interesting this is gonna sound so bizarre in many ways, my relationship with my mother is much better now that she's passed now that she's transitioned. I'm a medium so I can still connect and we all I've heard that, that before <laughs> yes So I think the fact that you're saying, okay, I'm going this mercy, I'm doing this, that's going to make it so much easier later on.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Denise, you're one of my heroes. And you may not know this, but you're also one of my mentors. You know, I love, love, love your show. Thank you for being on the podcast with me today. Oh, thank
1: you, Michelle. You are such a ray of light. And anyone I, whenever I get the opportunity, I love to send people in your direction. You're so true and honest and direct and oh. shining such a beacon for so many of us right now.
0: So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for, for being who you are. <laughs> we're, I think we're both on the same track.
1: Thank you, I appreciate you having me on, Michelle. And good luck with the holidays.
0: See you next time on another edition of Lost or Found. Please consider subscribing, tell your friends, and write us a great review. For more information, visit our website doctor